Well, is anyone excited to be alive out there? I hope you are. I'm so glad that you're tuning in as we continue in our series, Mark on Rewind. And to help kick us off, I thought I'd kind of bring us back, rewind our mind to this little precious gem, this treasure that many of us have had to deal with at some point in our lives. But for some of you watching, or maybe your kids are watching and they're wondering what in the heck this is, I thought I'd just kind of help you go back and rewind to some memories of what you used to have to deal with with these. Let's check it out. I've never seen 10,000 tapes in one store. There's so much kid stuff. And I can keep them for three evenings. Now this is a video store. Ordinary video stores don't even come close to Blockbuster Video. You've just got to see it to know what we mean. Wow. 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 What a difference. Come discover the blockbuster difference. Wow, what a difference. You could keep them for three whole days. I mean, can you imagine being able to have a video for three whole days? I mean, now we have this whole world of streaming. And I, I just remember the days where uh, maybe you remember getting reamed out by your parents because you turned in the video and you forgot to rewind. And then they got fined because you weren't kind to rewind at Blockbuster and you got reamed out by that. Or some of you. Some of you yuppies out there, you, you remember having your own little rewind VHS device where you could take it out and it was a high-speed rewinder. I mean, must have been nice, okay? Uh, but bring us back as we talk about rewind, as we talk about VHS and out, wow, how the world has changed. Uh, we're going to rewind our minds today. We're going to see how Jesus rewinds the minds of his disciples to help them discover some things about God and to help them discover some things about themselves. We're going to see them go on a journey and Jesus is going to kind of hit them right between the eyes with some really important truths. And remember, as we're doing this Mark on Rewind series, what we're doing is we're, is we're going backwards through the Mark through the book of Mark on purpose uh, as we look at it through the lens of the resurrection. Because most of the time when you read through the Gospels and the life of Jesus, he hadn't been crucified or risen from the dead yet. And so this will kind of help back us up in light of the resurrection. And our hope is that as we rewind and we see him rewinding his disciples' minds, that it will too help us discover some things about ourselves and some things about God. But before we rewind back to Mark chapter 8, let me just pray for you and pray for me. Father, uh, God, I just ask that you would just uh, pop off the pages here in Mark chapter 8. Uh, help us not to miss what, what, what we could take this week uh, into our lives today. Um, and so, God, get me out of the way. You know I need your help. Uh, control my pace. And we just pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, hey, open up if you have a copy of the scriptures to Mark chapter 8. That's where we're going to be diving into. And uh, just if wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, would you just repeat after me? God's word is alive and living and a light to my path. Just say it again. God's word is alive and living and a light unto my path. Light into my path. That is the truth. And so we'll kick in here. Mark chapter 8. We'll start in verse 11. It says this, that the Pharisees, they came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And there it is again. We see constantly the Pharisees trying to provoke, trying to trap, trying to trick, trying to test Jesus, constantly getting under his skin. This was not the first time. This was many, many, many times that they would try to get under Jesus. 
And it says that Jesus, what does it say here? That he sighed deeply. And the original Greek word here is only used one time a year in the New Testament. But as a survey is done on the word in ancient literature, this word is to be known as a word that was pressing someone to the limits, pushing them to the edge of dismay and despair. And so Jesus was feeling this great despair and this dismay about how blinded the Pharisees were. So that's what his spirit was towards them. And so here's how he responds to them with this deep sigh. Why does this generation, I mean, come on, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And then it says that he left them and he got into the boat again and he went to the other side. Reminding us of this important sobering truth that God will not perform miracles based on a sign because we want it to happen. Like he's on demand. He's not going to just, you know, because of our disbelief of show me a sign, show me a sign, show me a sign. He's not a genie in a, beck, you know, a, genie in a bottle at our beck and call just going to perform a sign because we want him to. I've told the story years ago about a time where I really wanted God to show me a sign. God, would you just show me a sign? And so I went up on the top of my parents' barn, this you know, tall red barn, and I'm up on the roof there, and I'm just like praying to God. I'm like, I just, would you just show me that you're real? Would you just show me who you are? Would you just show me? I just want to see a sign. Why can't you just show me a sign? Show me a sign. And then all of a sudden, no joke, I look out into the distance beautiful black night stars everywhere. And then all of a sudden I see this bright glow. I'm talking like this magnificent glow, just like beaming and it starts coming in my direction. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And at some point I'm getting excited, but as it got closer, I started to panic. I started to fear. I literally was like crunching down, like laying down, just like, oh my goodness, what is going to happen? What is going to happen? And then all of a sudden I hear this sound. Airplane. Yeah. Airplane, not a problem, airplane. So I'm literally like laying on the barn, looking up at the stars, laughing with God. Like I'm such, I'm so ridiculous. You're probably laughing at me too. And then in the midst of that moment, God was like, Travis, wake up, believe, have faith. I've given you every sign that you ever would ever need. Look up at the stars, look at the creation, feel the heart because of your fear, because of you thought I was coming for you, beating in your chest. Wake up, believe, you know, this, this, this sign. And so it reminding that true faith takes God at his word and is satisfied with the inward witness of the spirit. The Pharisees here are demanding a sign from Jesus. And Jesus had been showing signs all day and for months. They saw all this stuff. And yet still they were blinded. No matter what he was going to do, no matter how he was going to show off his power, these people were not going to be convinced and Jesus knew this, reminding us that there comes a time where God has given enough adequate evidence for us, but if we reject it over and over and over and over again, there's nothing more that he can do, and he will move on like it says that he left them, which is a sobering thought. That A question I ask for you listening is, have you been rejecting the signs that God has put all around your life? I mean... Is there any of you out there where you're pushing God to the limit in his despair, like the Pharisees with their unbelief, where God potentially has moved on because you've become so numb and complacent? Let this be a reminder. Wake up, oh sleeper, 
and begin to move towards God and trust in the promise that when you move towards him and James, that he is faithful to move right back towards you. And so it says that Jesus is in the boat with his disciples and the story continues. So now he's in the boat with his disciples. And it says that now they had forgotten that they are the disciples. They had forgotten to bring bread and they only had one loaf of bread with them. All they had was one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He says, watch out. He says, beware. And Jesus didn't say this often, but when he says, watch out and beware, he's really trying to get their attention. And it means that we need to pay attention to what he means by saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Um, This is a reminder that when Jesus, that when we rewind our mind and when he was rewinding the mind of the disciples, it helps protect us from false teaching. When we rewind our minds, it helps us to protect us from false teaching. And Jesus right here uses the symbol of leavened bread as a symbol to his disciples to understand. And they would understand this in their, in their culture, that that leavened bread was a symbol of evil, was a symbol that when, when yeast, the yeast of the Pharisees, that when, when yeast is put into bread, it spreads like a cancer affecting the entire loaf of bread to get this beautiful, you know, raised loaf of bread. But during Passover, you weren't allowed to have leavened bread. You had to have unleavened bread as a symbol to, to, to keep away from that. And so the Pharisees, what were they doing? They were spreading They were spreading like leavened bread. They were spreading this false teaching that the law could perfect you, that the law could make you right with God instead of just having the law shape you. And then the, the leaven of the, of the uh, Herodians was this idea that they would you know, put all of their faith and hope in Herod and that Herod and the Roman government was going to someday bring uh, a just Jewish kingdom to them. And so these two types of false teachings to his disciples were tempting to, their, to his disciples. This type of false teaching was very tempting for the disciples and Jesus knew that. And so he told them, watch out, beware, don't fall into the trap of this type of false teaching that can contaminate and pollute the real truth. And this should be a reminder to us of how we have to be cautious and be aware and be alert to the many different false teachings that the world offers us to really examine to make sure that there isn't a little hint of yeast in our bodies in our souls that would begin to spread and get us way off track when it comes to maybe a theological issue or when it comes to a social issue where we can start to kind of believe the ways of the world and then kind of shift us off into another direction and so It's really important for us to check ourselves, to have a filter to check ourselves and to ask ourselves, is there any type of false teaching? Is there any type of social issues where I'm kind of going off the path away from God's truth, like yeast that would spread in bread? One of the important ways that we can analyze this is to always run our theology and our social issues through these two filters. Here's those, those, those filters. Pick whatever social issue that you may be wondering about or a theology, theological issue you're wondering about. Is it God's word or is it the devil's world? Is it based on God's word instead of the devil's world? Or is it God's declaration instead of human emotion? You gotta make sure you run it through those filters and make sure that it's 
God's declaration and God's word. Because yeah, sometimes what God says, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. But just because it doesn't feel good and doesn't feel right doesn't mean that it actually is right or wrong. So we need to base it on God's declaration and God's word. And then it continues. He wants to rewind their minds even more. And he takes them back on a journey that really wasn't so far from them, from, far removed from them. It says, and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts that hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Do you not remember? And so as Jesus is rewinding the minds of his disciples this reminds us that when we rewind our minds, it helps us test to see where our hearts might be hardened. Where are our hearts hardened? For those of us that are followers of Jesus, this reminds us that sometimes we can forget that Jesus is right in the boat with us. I mean, they're worrying about stinking bread and they literally have the bread of life in the boat with them. How easy is it, though, for us to become calloused when we deal with trials, when we deal with struggles, when we deal with our sin issues, our flaw issues, and then we start to face different things, and then we forget that literally Jesus is trying to get our attention, and he's literally right in the boat of our lives. Jesus, followers, remember, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and sometimes we just ignore that he's even right there. So when we, remind, when we rewind our minds, we have to remember that God is with us in the boat. He is in with us in the boat of our lives. And it's important for us to remind ourselves, wait a second, where am I pushing him off? Where might my heart be hardened? Psalm 139, I love how it says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. We have to be people, we have to be Jesus followers that are open to constantly asking God, search me, know me, test me. Is there any offensive way? Is there any part of me that has become hardened? And so seriously, as you're listening, is there any area where, you, where you're kind of pushing God out? Is it maybe financially or relationally? Or maybe how you've responded recently to a counsel from a brother or a sister where you're like, ah, whatever, everyone else is doing that. I don't care, I'm just gonna do whatever I want to do. It's so important to search your heart and don't allow your heart to get hardened because the more hardened that it continues, the more and more bitter and the more and more that you just push God and ignore that he's right there with you trying to guide you. So then Jesus is gonna take them down even more memory lane and he takes them on rewind just a little bit further. And it says this, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, and how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Let me just say that I'm so glad that I wasn't a part of being on that boat because how rebuked and how Jesus was like, are you serious, guys? I'm glad I wasn't in that boat at that specific time. But Jesus goes back down to memory. Literally, this was only like a couple months ago. 
for them. Like we're literally, there's 5,000 people, not including women and children. So we're talking 20 to 25,000 people that were with Jesus for one day. They were starting to get famished and he literally took those five loaves of bread and he broke it. And as he broke it, who knows what happened, but how it happened. But literally it says, as he started to break the bread, it started to multiply to feed every sinking people so much so that they had leftovers, 12 baskets full. It's incredible, small 12 baskets full of leftovers. And then, hey, don't forget, literally just yesterday or a couple days ago, you watched me do the same miracle, the second largest miracle meal that I've done with the 4,000, not to be confused with the 5,000. There were two different events. And after I fed them, there was not just 12 baskets, there were seven hamper, large-sized baskets filled. And yet, you don't remember, you don't understand. I mean, you wonder, were the disciples that clueless? Were they that, like, like, did they really forget about it? I mean, how could they forget something that just happened? Well, maybe that was part of it that they did forget. But maybe another part of it was that Jesus was trying to show them something else very, very important. You see, the difference between the feeding of the 5,000 and the difference between the feeding of the 4,000 is that the 5,000 feeding was to a group of Jewish people. And those were the disciples' people. Those were their types of people. That, that, that was their own. That was their kind. And the 4,000 was given to a group of, of Gentiles in Galilee. So you've got these two different feedings with two different types of people. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus was trying to get their attention to say, hey, 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 my message, my hope, my good news isn't just offered to one type of people. It's offered, my message is offered to all of people. All are welcome, all are welcome to my meal. All are welcome to receive me as their savior. But let's be real. There's also probably some forgetfulness going on in here. It's probably some forgetfulness and some faithlessness which reminds me and helps make me feel a little bit good about myself because how easy can I forget how easy can I forget when I'm faced with trials or confusion or heartache? I mean, you think about the children of Israel, right? I mean, the children of Israel, like, you know, every day getting bread dropped from heaven, watching water come from the rocks, seeing God part the Red Sea, then parting the Jordan River. And yet they would start to doubt and question where God was. How, how are we going to get pr provision after they saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle? I wonder if the disciples used to like make fun of the Israelites wondering, yeah, what was wrong with those people? And yet there Jesus is sitting in their boat and they're questioning where they're going to get provision after they just saw the 5,000 and the 4,000. And so it's just a great reminder as we rewind our minds that when we rewind our minds, it's important for us to do that, to remember the miracles. Because when we rewind our minds, what does it do? It helps strengthen our confidence in his faithfulness. It's important for us to step back and remember those miracles. It builds up our confidence to say, you know, maybe I don't have a bread problem, but maybe I have a head problem, a memory problem that I need to fix. Psalm 103 says this, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. It was probably a year ago we were going through our series, A Whole New World, and the challenge was, was to write down on a stone a miracle to remember, to build up our confidence. An Ebenezer stone, a stone of help. And for me, I wrote down, and I think I shared the story of, of this guy right here, Maki, 
Maki and his wife Sunny coming here to plant a church, a, a Japanese church. It was almost seven years ago when we started Mile City Church that I was out in Novi at an Asian market, and I remember praying, God, if you want us to help start a Japanese church, we're available, our hands are open, just connect the puzzle pieces. And then with so much information and so much, you know, it take too long to share, God connected all the puzzle pieces right at the right time, and two uh, weeks before the entire world shut down, Maki and his wife, um, Sonny and Rega, his, his daughter, moved here and have now been in, a, in, in, in the residency to help start a Japanese church. And so that's like uh, a miracle. And every time that I look at that rock, and maybe some of you were here and you have one of those rocks, I wrote down that miracle. And whenever I'm feeling down, it's in my truck. Or whenever I'm starting to doubt, I just have on that rock, Maki. And it reminds me that God will build his church and that, 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 that God is doing miracles. And it's so important to remember to write down the miracles from the past to build up our confidence when we start to struggle, when we start to doubt. And so what miracle might you need to write down somewhere? What miracle do you need to remember right now to rewind, to build up your confidence that God is our great, great provider? It's so, so important. And so, then Jesus um, closes out this section, and we hear um, uh, a very, very unique miracle story. A very, very unique miracle story, one of its kind here in the Gospels. And here's, and well, I'll, I'll explain to you why here in a moment. It says, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him, some people brought to him, the friends, friends of this blind man begged Jesus to touch him. And it says that he took the blind man by the hand, he let him out of the village, and when he had spit on his eyes, which, take that in for a moment, like, you know, just like literally, just imagine just Jesus like spitting in his hands and then, you know, or spitting right in his eyes and then just like, you know, rubbing his, his spit, you know, all over this, you know, this, you know, blind man's eyes. I mean, poor blind guy. I don't even know if he knows that this is happening or not. Um, what is he putting on me? It says that he laid his hands on him. And then Jesus asked him this question, do you see anything? And the blind man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. This also shows us that this blind man most likely wasn't blind from birth because he knew what trees were would look like. So at some point maybe he had some type of disease or something took place to where you know he had an understanding of what trees would look like. So he wasn't necessarily blind from birth. Then it says this, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And it says that he opened his eyes. His sight was restored and saw everything clearly like 2020 vision. And he sent him to his home saying, "Do not even enter the village." This was a very unique miracle because this was the only miracle where Jesus had to touch someone twice. Every other miracle that Jesus did, he would touch someone one time and then instantly they were healed, they were cured. This was a gradual healing, not an instantaneous healing. And so, you know, some have, you know, you know, skeptics have said, well, Jesus must have had a bad day. He must have been tired. And so the power of Jesus wasn't just, you know, working that well. Or, you know, maybe he was like needed a recharge, like a Tesla or a, or a Rivian electric car that ran out of juice. It's like, 
I doubt that, okay? I think the power of Jesus in his hands, I mean, literally a few days ago, he just raised Lazarus from the dead. I think he's okay with the power. And so what does this show us? What does this mean? Well, potentially, if we lean into the idea of the individual's faith, you know, often, right, when Jesus would heal people, they would have faith that Jesus could actually heal them and then Jesus would heal them. And so if we kind of go back, if you think about it, Jesus is, or this blind man's friends were, um, they were so excited and, 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 and did everything that they could to get their friend to Jesus and asked Jesus, the friends asked Jesus to heal their friend. And so that first touch could potentially be representing the faith of his friends. And then he got a glimpse and then Jesus leans in for the second touch that could have represented the faith of the actual blind man. Literally, Jesus could have been potentially in this moment literally pulling out the faith of the blind man to make it his own instead of his friend's faith. Which reminds us that when we rewind the mind, sometimes it helps pause us and helps us discover if our faith is our own or not. And maybe for some of you, if you're honest, you've only had a glimpse of Jesus. You've only maybe had one touch of Jesus. And that glimpse of Jesus is based on someone else's faith. Maybe it's based on your spouse's faith. Maybe it's based on a sibling's faith or your parents' faith, but it's not your own faith. And maybe some of you, you've had that first touch, you've had that glimpse, but you haven't had that second touch of Jesus yet. That literally will spiritually and eternally actually open up your blinders to see Jesus for the first time? Have you, have you ever allowed your faith to be your own instead of someone else's faith? Have you ever received Jesus for yourself and have your eyes been open to him and what he has for you? If you haven't, then I want to let make sure you know so clearly how much God loves you and how he is your great provider and how God wants to be in the boat of your life, that, that God has been trying to get your attention and maybe you've been pushing him far and far and far away and you're listening today because he said, okay, enough's enough. Move towards me, I'll move towards you. Jesus um, came to this earth and he came to this earth for a very specific reason, so that we could have life. Jesus says that he's the bread of life. What does that mean? He is, the, he is the provider, he is the great provider, but not only was he the bread of life, but he allowed his body to be broken, just like bread has been broken. And he allowed his life to be broken on a cross for you and for me. Why did he do that? Because he was paying the penalty for all of our past, for all of our sin, for all of our shame. But then three days later, he conquered that death. He conquered that crucifixion and rose up from the dead, bringing life to him and to all who believe in him. And the scriptures say that all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Believe in your heart that he is Lord, that he's the one that can do it and you will be saved. And so if you have never made Jesus the king of your life, if you've never made your faith your own, if you've never invited Jesus into the boat of your life, what are you waiting for? Let this be the time where you do that. And so wherever you're listening, I just wanna invite you to just close your eyes. 
Maybe open up your hands and just pray this prayer to him to receive Jesus as your savior. Just say, Father, here I am. I wanna receive you into my life. Forgive me for my past. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my shame. I'm done pushing you away. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. And right now I receive you to be the king of my life. I I, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. As we continue to pray, if you truly meant that, the scriptures are so clear that you will no longer perish and separate from God, but now you'll have everlasting life. And your life truly begins now. And you have a companion that is walking with you, that is with you every step of the way. May we lean into it. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your spirit. Thank you for being close to us. Forgive us when we ignore you. Forgive us when we push you away. God, help us to be people that keep leaning into you, our great provider, always there, always with us, never abandoning us, never forsaking us. We love you and we pray this in the power of your son's name. Well, hey, if you made a decision to put your faith in Jesus today, we really want to encourage you not to walk alone. And so let someone know. Tell someone of the decision that you made, or you can let us know by texting um, the number there on the screen so we can celebrate and answer any questions that we're sure that you probably have.